coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. In the Self-Made Mind and Body program, we teach the four basics of losing weight and keeping it off. And so probably doesn't surprise you that solving the mind math is the foundation of it all. It's this formula that I have behind me. We spend a lot of time on recognizing that you only show up in such a way that creates your results and it, it all starts at the level of your mind. And so we teach that. We spend a lot of time on the S, solving the mind math. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed the founder of Self-Made You, Tracy Pleshcourt. She helps men and women create self-made wealth and wellness through life coaching. Tracy's a student of her own work and has stopped overeating, overdrinking, and created a multi-six-figure business while mastering metabolic health. Today, Tracy coaches people all across the country who want to do the same. We discussed how to manage your mind to overcome overeating, eating foods that fuel you, how to respond, not react to self-sabotaging thoughts, and using mind math to master your health. This is a really interesting interview with Tracy. I really enjoyed meeting her. I know you will too. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin, and I have Tracy Pleshcourt. Did I say that right? You did. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. It's fun to be here. Yeah. Glad we got connected. You are the founder of Self-Made You. And uh, I know just reading through your, um, your history with uh, corporate America, right? And then you got into health and wellness. How did that come about? Hmm. Well, it's probably not the average career path that most people would expect from an advertising executive. But um, I had the opportunity to run the agency from an operational standpoint. And I really loved the responsibility of kind of molding a culture, mentoring people. Mm. And when I made the you know big decision to move on, um, what I, what I really wanted to do, the, the, the passion that I wanted to pursue was helping other women start purpose-driven businesses and, um, and really kind of, you know, create something, um, that they could do maybe from home. And this is way pre pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but they didn't know how to do that. They didn't have like this real obvious roadmap of how to, um, transition from a corporate role into, you know, more of a purpose-driven role. And so that was the, um, kind of the impetus of self-made you. And I was actually going through my own weight loss journey at the time. And so through a lot of my social media marketing, people started to see that transformation. I talked a lot about the business transformation, but they started to visually see the weight loss transformation. And, um, that is what launched self-made mind and body, which is a, which is a 10 week program that we offer at self-made you. So, I like to say that I coach on all things wealth and wellness because um, it all starts with solving the mind math and 
Um, that's, you know, the thoughts and the emotions that are happening within you that create your experience or your results. So I can use that formula, that mind math formula to coach on pretty much anything. And, uh, wellness is something that's very near and dear to my heart. Excellent. And, and maybe for the audience, can you explain, uh, if you don't mind your sort of weight loss journey? You bet. Yeah. So I, um, I would say that it has been a, my weight has been a struggle since I was very young, probably, you know, early teens. And, um, I was, um, you know, looking for a lot of quick fixes. So I think, you know, going into high school, I was, you know, I did do weight watchers alongside of my mom, but I also was trying all of the other, what was mainstream at the time, like, low fat diets. And I remember it just, I don't know why I was thinking about this today, but I was thinking about how much money I spent on like fiber one cereal, because at one point it was all about high fiber. And so that was my snack. And I, I really did try to find all of those silver bullets. And even though I probably was successful at losing weight for short amounts of time, I could never keep it off. And I carried that with me. Um, you know, through young adulthood into motherhood and, you know, as a professional, any sort of stress that I was feeling, I would turn to food to try to solve that emotion. And, um, it really wasn't until I became a life coach. Did I understand that I was trying to bandaid a lot of symptoms and not really go to the root cause of, you know, the, of the challenges that I was experiencing. And, you know, it was, it really did come down to, you know, using food as a solution to the feelings that, you know, I was experiencing. So in corporate America, I was 40 or 50 pounds overweight because I felt a lot of pressure or I felt a lot of stress or I felt a lot of guilt for not spending time at home. And I would turn towards food and even alcohol to, to really solve or numb those feelings. Mm. And that resulted in weight gain, um, a lot of yo-yo dieting. Um, and that would just kind of perpetuate this self-loathing cycle that I think a lot of women and men can relate to. Yeah. And you talk about uh, managing your mind to overcome obstacles what type of, you know, this could be overeating or over drinking, like you talk about. Uh, so as far as managing your mind, uh, how does an individual do that, do that? Or what are some techniques, uh, to sort of manage your mind? So, cause to overcome these obstacles, I guess would be my question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you, you know, the, the place to start is to even notice what it is that you are either experiencing. So I'm pointing back to my, to my mind math formula. So mm. you're always creating your own results, whether you know it or not, or whether it's intentional or unintentional, you are creating your own results or your own experiences. So you could start by either noticing that and, and kind of taking responsibility for that. You could maybe start by noticing what it is that you're feeling. Like I said, I was feeling stress or I was feeling guilt. And I'll tell you what, like, you know, majority of my life, I had no idea that I was actually even feeling that. I just thought that that's, that's the life normal. I live. And yeah. I, yeah, it's just normal. And I wouldn't even have put a name to it, to be quite honest. Mm. Um, or 
if you're even more present and more in tune to what you're thinking, you could start by noticing the thought that is running maybe in the background. Um, it's an unintentional thought process. I would say that's probably the hardest, at least for me, that's the hardest place to start is to notice what it is that you're thinking because it is so unintentional. You wouldn't recognize it as something that is actually happening because you don't have the awareness that that's just the primitive part of your brain trying to keep you safe. And and it's just very reactive and almost on autopilot. So that is where we start is by teaching some of those fundamentals that really relieve you of feeling like you're broken or that there's something wrong with you. We teach it in such a way that it's, I call it basic science and math. We teach the science of how our brain operates and that there isn't anything wrong with you if you're having some of those unintentional thoughts, because it is your primitive brain, the part of your brain that's trying to just keep you safe and keep you alive. And if there, if you weren't having those thoughts, that actually something would be wrong with you. But so it's good news that you're having that. But what we teach you to do is to not react to those thoughts and instead respond to those thoughts in such a way that you know, extinguishes the fear. It's almost always fear-based thinking really extinguishes that. So I would say to answer your question, how do you, how do you start? It's to notice it first off, and then to really normalize it. This is a thought that's being created by the primitive part of my brain. It's just keeping me safe. And I have never known anything different. So it makes perfect sense that I just react from it. And that's why I'm you know, living out this experience on repeat, on rinse and repeat. And then you can kind of neutralize it. You can ask yourself questions about that thought or that feeling that you're having. Um, you know, is that even true? Most of the time, those primitive based thoughts are not true. They're very, very dramatic. Um, and so if you can kind of poke holes in that and really prove to yourself how untrue that unintentional thinking actually is, that also kind of brings down the drama that's happening. And you can be a lot more decisive. You can make decisions based on data, like what is true about this? Let's make our decisions from that place versus the drama. Um, So I would say notice, normalize, neutralize that thinking and be really intentional with a thought that makes you feel different. And I'm not talking about just replacing thoughts with positive thoughts, like the power of positive thinking. That's not at all what I'm teaching people to do. It's there is a better thought that's going to make you feel different. Can can you give an example of like maybe a self-sabotaging thought and then how you can overcome that? Yeah. I mean, like a really simple one is, um, you know, I think a lot of people will say, you know, I've never been able to lose weight and keep it off. Okay. That might be a thought that comes to mind quite quickly. When you think when somebody talks about fasting or somebody talks about, um, the ketogenic diet, right. Your immediate, like immediate thought, unintentional fear-based thinking is I've never been able to lose weight and keep it off. And that makes you feel maybe let's just guess, let's say defeated or, um, you know, uh, I don't know. It's almost like you, you label yourself 
right yeah. off the bat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You start to identify as that, like, right. um, or you're broken and then just think about how you show up when you're feeling that way, right? That's, you're probably not going to show up in a way that gets you closer to what it is that you really want. You're probably going to start to either spin or you stay stuck. You're kind of in that fight or flight mode. Um, And so you're not going to create the result that you most want, but a better way to think about it. That's not like, oh, I'm amazing at losing weight. I've always been able to lose weight. Like that's not believable, Mm -hmm. right? If you've never been able to do it, that's not believable and that's not helpful. So I teach clients to just, you know, what is kind of that next rung in the ladder of believable thoughts? And maybe it's, it's possible that I could learn a new way a sustainable way of Mm -hmm. losing weight. It's possible. Like you're just cracking the door open to possibility. And that's probably believable. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, no, I like that because yeah, I'm, I'm all for positive thinking, but I, I, I can see how, if you've been down this road for such a long time, and then you just come up with this sort of maybe unrealistic thought thinking that you're going to be like the fittest person in the world. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, God, yeah, no, (laughs) there's no chance. Right. So you, yeah, it's sort of like this false, I don't know, identification. Yeah. Um, You know, and people will ask me, Oh, so is this like positive affirmations? Is this like, you know, mantras? Well, I mean, my answer would be, it could be if that works for you, but I would say, you know, for most people, they really want to, they, their brain is always going to be looking for evidence, right. To decide whether something's true or not. And so I like to teach more evidence-based science and math so that you don't have to spend a ton of time, like deciphering, like if you have to do a ton of work, your, your brain is going to default into the drama of like, this is BS. And then you just throw in the towel. So I want to give really simple science and math like, here's how your prefrontal cortex works. And here's how your primitive brain works. And like, you can come up with your own evidence. You can see how that's played out for you in the past. Um, that's why I like to use, you know, very unique personal stories, um, circumstances, because I think I can hit it home quickly for people um, when I'm trying to teach this concept. So meaning share other stories of other people who have done it before them or that are doing it to help that, like or, encourage. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Or like, you know, when we're in a group setting, um, I always ask my clients when we're in a group coaching session, I'm like, you know, just put in the chat, what is your most prominent feeling over the course of the last maybe 24 hours, maybe the last week since we last saw each other and they'll type in there, you know, um, disappointed or, or sometimes it'll be, you know, driven or motivated. Okay. Doesn't matter what the feeling is a hundred percent of the time, the feeling is being driven by the thought that you're thinking period. And so I'm teaching them to connect the dots between what it is that they're feeling and why. And the why is because there's a thought it might be unintentional. So it might be in the background, but it is a hundred percent of the time being driven from a thought. And so we're using their unique experience to drive home that concept. Yeah, that's, that's great. And what would you say? I know you have the, if you're watching on YouTube, you have the mind math, uh, bulletin board or whiteboard behind you. What, what is the purpose with that? 
Uh, well, I'll just say it because I have a, I like to say I have a very, um, a peanut brain that is not really vault like okay. <laughs> the processor. And so I use a lot of frameworks for my own, you know, personal way of learning. Mm-hmm. And so I like to teach things in frameworks. And, um, and so this is just simply a framework that is the T is the thought that you're having mm-hmm. it can be about any circumstance, but I like to put it in black and white. I like to see the architecture. I'm a hugely visual person. So even when I'm taking notes, you know, I'm learning new concepts for myself. I'm constantly taking notes, like putting it on paper so I can see it in black and white. Cause I like just that opportunity to be more objective about it and see how things are connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, this is just my way of teaching it. Um, but every thought drives a feeling, drives an emotion, drives a vibration that runs through your body. And it's from that vibration or from that emotion that you show up doing, behaving, right? So, the, so can I guess what the R is? Or did you say it already? Rea- rea- reaction? Yeah. Right? Okay. Exactly so TFR, it. if you're not watching. So thought creates a feeling, which then creates a reaction. You got it. Yep. So, so the reason why there's two behind me is because Mm. one is your primitive brain. It's very unintentional. And I like to show the architecture of how unintentionally you're creating your results. Mm -hmm. And once they understand that, then we can come up with an intentional thought feeling. And when you are intentionally, when you're using your, what I call prodigy brain, it's your prefrontal cortex, you're going to respond you're not going to be reacting. You're going to be responding. So in the intentional formula, the R is respond, but it is an action. It's a form of an action, but you're doing it with intention. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I'm just thinking of like examples because uh, being reactive on a certain thought or feeling, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, can get you into trouble. I mean, um, we always, I, I like, I, this is sort of random, but I, I took an Uber and the gentleman was a parole officer. And he was just saying that there are a lot of things, you know, he's dealing with gangs and people who are getting into trouble. And, you know, so he's with like, you know, people, thieves and people who have committed, killed other people. I mean, I know this is sort of getting a little bit off topic, but he, but it made me think because he was saying that, um, a lot of crimes would be, uh, prevented if they, maybe weren't able to react so quickly to whatever just happened to them. And, you know, we've seen what, you know, with gun violence and all this stuff, if they just had an extra minute or two or, Hmm. you know, to, to not react so emotionally to whatever just happened to them. And anyways, that just made me think. Absolutely. Well, you know, okay. So I think that's a really great illustration. And Mm -hmm. I think for some, I think a lot of people will probably relate to that and, and can, um, can really kind of wrap their head around it. Another way to think about that is I like to give the analogy, you go to a doctor, let's say you have a rash and your doctor prescribes an antibiotic and you have a reaction from that antibiotic. That's an unfavorable, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to have a reaction to the antibiotic. You want the antibiotic to respond, right? So you're either having a reaction or you're having a response. Is it, are you responding well, or are you reacting to it? So one doesn't end well, <laughs> because, and so the same is true when we're reacting to a primitive brain thought, the primitive brain thought usually triggers fear. And we react from that. And we, we unintentionally 
create results that we don't want. But if you can have a intentional prodigy brain thought, that's responding. You are like putting some space, just like with the thief. If they could have a little bit of space before they react, it ends differently. Mm-hmm. If they could respond instead of reacting, that's what happens when you are working with your prodigy brain, your data-driven brain, your non-drama brain, you mm-hmm. are you have a ability to respond. When it's unintentional, when you're unaware of it, you are in reaction mode. It's 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 the default. Yeah. That almost all humans, you know, are executing from until they have an awareness. That yeah, that makes sense. And I'm I'm equating it to just thinking about like, for example, like I talk a lot about fasting and, you know, you, you think about like uh, these hunger hormones and these uh, hunger waves that come and go. And I always like to say, like, once you start, I think you, once you start like fasting to some degree, you start to become more in tune with these hunger uh, waves that, and then you realize that you start accepting them and you're not just um, reacting to them and just going to grab whatever's in the cabinet. You're actually like, you're more in control and you're sort of letting it go and, and almost, I guess, not reacting and responding in a way that allows you to just, you know, if you want to keep going, you can keep going. This is just sort of a psychological thing that comes and goes. And so I don't know if that is something that probably I'm sure you've talked about before. Oh gosh. Yeah. Like finding yourself in the pantry or standing in front of an open refrigerator is typically a reaction, right? You have a thought that, you know, I'm, I'm hungry or I'm confused or I'm, you know, I don't know how to do this. Like hunger, like I love to say food only solves one thing, hunger, (laughs) but yet we use food to solve stress, overwhelm, disappointment. Right. And so for a lot of people, food is just, or overeating is just buffering. You're overeating if you're eating for any other reason than to solve hunger. So I like to just use overeating as kind of my blanket statement, my blanket reaction, but yeah, you're having, or maybe you have a thought, I want that, or that smells good. Mm-hmm. And that makes you feel entitled. And then you react by opening up the refrigerator door. Like you could see that formula playing out a hundred times in a day without awareness, it will continue to play out. That does not mean you're broken. It just means you haven't learned yet that you also have this other part of your brain, which doesn't need to be super dramatic. And you actually have control. You just have to have the level of awareness. And so instead of having you, you notice that you're feeling entitled or you're noticing you're feeling disappointed and you're noticing that that has you opening up the refrigerator door that awareness, that noticing is the first step. And now you can ask yourself, like, I need that, or that smells good. Like, is that even true? Do you really need that right now? Like you can start to kind of be a lot, a little bit more logical and not just react, but there's no place for logic. Like literally there is no space for it when you're in reaction mode, because it happens so fast. Like I used to say this about drinking wine. Like I couldn't imagine not having wine every single night. Like it would, I would walk in the door and before I even knew it, the bottle of wine was open because I was having this 
mind math happen of, you know, it's seven o'clock. I deserve that. I need to take the edge off. You mean mm-hmm. whatever the flavor of the day was in, in regards to fear-based thinking. And, you know, it, it struck of it struck a feeling of like entitlement. And before I even knew it, the cork was out of the bottle and I was pouring a glass of wine. And how to, I'm curious, cause I give my wife a hard time cause she likes to have a drink every night. I mean, and, uh, how did you overcome that? Okay. So like here, here might be the difference between you or your wife and me. For mm-hmm. me, it became problematic. Like right. I didn't like the way I would wake up the next morning feeling like I felt very unmotivated. I, I am somebody that watches my blood glucose and I watch my ketones because I am all about metabolic health too. So I didn't like from a metabolic standpoint, what it was doing for me. I didn't like from a mental standpoint, cause I felt very guilty, had a lot of shame associated with that. Um, from a weight standpoint, I didn't like that. You know, it, it drove me to overeat because then, you know, I, I was under the chemical influence, which makes it just that much harder. Mm-hmm. So for me, it became a problem. I'm not insinuating that just because somebody drinks wine at night, they right. have a problem. Right. If they think they have a problem and they want to create a different experience for themselves, it simply just comes right back to the mind math. So your wife may be having a thought that I just enjoy a glass of wine every night after dinner, which right. makes her feel what, you know, like so it maybe makes her feel like she's taking care of herself might feel like self-care, you know? And so that actually could be, you know, a response that could be intentional that she's thinking it mm-hmm. might be more reactive, but it's her choice, whether she wants to continue to create that experience for herself. So I'm so glad you asked this question because I've got the two models behind me, the two formulas, right? right. It's not one is right. And one is wrong. That's not it at all. It's, this is what you're currently creating for you. You can see it in black and white, and then you get the choice. Do you want to continue to create that for yourself? And the answer is no, you can be more intentional, mm-hmm. but sometimes just the awareness of why things are playing out for you can be like a huge breakthrough for people. And I'm not suggesting that you have to change your experience. Like some people love the experience that they're creating for themselves, even the unintentional ones. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, I also noticed you talk about um, the acronym self. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I thought this would be, these were like four, I don't know if you want to say principles, but four sort of, I guess I could say principles that, that individuals might follow, uh, solve, eat, learn fast. Is this something that you, is this like a mantra that you talk about with your clients? Yeah. So in the self-made mind and body program, we teach the four basics of losing weight and keeping it off. And so probably doesn't surprise you that solving the mind math is the foundation of it all. It's this formula that I have behind me. We spend a lot of time on recognizing that you only show up in such a way that creates your results and it, it all starts at the level of your mind. And so we teach that. We spend a lot of time on the S, solving the mind math. Then the E is eating foods that fuel you. And Brian, you know this. It's like, how important is it to understand what actually fuels you and what doesn't, right? Refined products 
don't fuel most human beings, but we don't know that. A lot of people don't know that. And so we teach you that, you know, what fuels you looks different for you than it probably is for me. And so it's important that you understand what fuels you from a food standpoint. Mm -hmm. The L is learning to collect data. So instead of making your decisions from dramatic thoughts, we teach you how to collect data. So we teach you how to take your blood and read and understand and assess your blood glucose and your ketones. We teach you what autophagy is and that cellular clean out and why you would want to get into states of autophagy and how to, how to even understand if you're in autophagy, how to, you know, uh, take your measurements and how to take your weight, like all of the data we teach you how to assess it and use that to make your decisions from. And then finally fasting. Um, we do that because we want to balance out your insulin levels. We want you to burn the fat that is stored on your body as a source of energy instead of what it is that you're consuming. Um, and I will say it's also a little sneaky because when we say fasting, when we teach our clients how to fast, we know that if that's not something that you're used to, you're probably going to have some unintentional fear-based thoughts like that's restrictive (laughs) or I'm going to be deprived. Right. And then that just, it's very cyclical because then that just brings us right back to solving the mind math. Because if you're feeling something unwanted, it's coming from a fear-based thought. And so it gives us fodder to really teach that concept again. So yeah, S E L F are the four basics that we teach in self-made mind and body. And as far as collecting and assessing data, um, what is your thoughts around the fact that people rely too much on the scale to sort of, um, you know, give them guidance because we know that like you start building muscle and, you know, I like to talk about losing inches. What are your thoughts around the scale and how do you work that in with clients? Yeah. So a scale is going to give you, you know, three numbers essentially. Mm -hmm. And so you're making meaning of those three numbers. And I love to give the illustration that the scale could read, you know, 130 pounds and somebody who is coming into the program at 125 pounds is going to have certain thoughts about seeing those three numbers. And it's going to be a different thought than somebody who maybe came into the program at 200 pounds and they're now seeing the numbers one, three, zero, right? So it has nothing to do with the number. It has everything to do with the thought that you're thinking and how that's making you feel. So again, even on, you know, even that basic of learning how to collect data, I can again, drive home the mind math formula that, you know, the number is a circumstance, You're only feeling a certain way because of the thought you're having about it. Now, if I had a client that came in, let's say, because we do, we get a lot of people who come into the program who um, have suffered with eating disorders in their past. And they're like, the scale is a huge trigger for me. I don't even have one in my house. I do not want to take my weight every single day. Mm -hmm. That's totally fine. That is absolutely fine. We can teach the four basics without having them step on a scale every single day. Like to your point, measurements are a really great source of data as well. But I will say that that's the person who will eventually love seeing the data of what the scale has to say. And they will really appreciate the fact that they have, they have managed their mind to not make 
dramatic thoughts that they're reacting from when it comes to something that that's all they used to do, you know, with so that they'll clearly see how they have evolved to manage their mind because it's such a stark difference. And so it's such a gift when somebody comes into the program and says that to us and there's, you know, we do not force that at all. And I honor that. And it just gives us a little bit more of an opportunity to really shine a light on how effective solving the mind math is. Yeah. No, I mean, I love how you sort of bring everything back to that Yeah. because like with my program, it's somewhat similar in the sense that like, if you're, if you don't have a strong enough, why you're even, you know, talking to me or doing or getting or reaching your health goal, like a lot of the other stuff doesn't matter because they'll end up going back to their old habits, you know? So you sort of incorporate it a similar way as the sense that like, you really do need a strong why to get where you want to go. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would just say that that the why is on the thought line, right? And your why is probably something that you're so passionate about. I would say it's, it's become a belief. It's something that you have thought so often that now it's, it's an ingrained belief. And that's the concept. That's the theory behind, you know, really anchoring yourself to a why is because you already believe it. Yeah. That's, that's the point. That's why every single, you know, thought leader out there says, anchor yourself to the why, because we know as an influencer, we know that that's believable to them. And when something is believable, it's like part of your DNA, you're going to probably, if it's something that's been intentional, it's, you're going to have a response to it versus if it's unintentional and it's fear-based, like we all limiting beliefs are the other side of that, right? Mm -hmm. The unintentional are the limiting beliefs that we tend to react from. And that doesn't end well, but if we have these unlimited, (laughs) unlimiting intentional beliefs that we can respond from, that is going to create the experiences that we most want. So yeah, it makes perfect sense of, you know, encouraging our clients to anchor themselves to that intentional reason why. Yeah. Love that. And, uh, what's, uh, what's your typical client from a demographic? Uh, yeah, I would say demographic or just like, uh, like I noticed on your website, you you sort of work with two types of people. Um, (laughs) so, uh, yeah either or. Oh, okay. So I would say, let me paint that picture. I would say my typical client is a middle-aged woman who thinks that her weight is the biggest problem in her life. That is, that is 90% of the people who walk through our door. Um, and that woman goes through our 10 week program, recognizes that it wasn't the weight that was problematic. It was the thoughts that she was having about her weight, her life, yada, yada, yada. We teach her how to solve the mind math and she starts showing up different. She starts, you know, self-coaching. She starts eating the foods that fuel her. She starts learning how to collect data to make her decisions from, and she starts fasting. And all of a sudden she starts down this path of getting to her ideal weight that she will finally create from a sustainable standpoint And this is the coolest part is that that woman then has this skill set 
of creating any result that she wants or overcoming any challenge that she's ever had in her life. And now she has like transformed into what I call like a self-made person because she now takes responsibility for every result, every experience that she has in her life. So that's our typical client. And it makes us feel so good because anybody you ask that's been through self-made mind and body, they're like, I came because I wanted to lose weight. And what happened is my business skyrocketed, my teams exploded, my income, you know, Mm -hmm. was on this like springboard. And so I know it, it almost sounds a little too good to be true, but that it really is the power of you managing your own thoughts and recognizing the difference between the primitive and prodigy brain in effect. Yeah. Wow. That's great. And, uh, Where's the best place for people to find you? Uh, you can go to our website, selfmadeu.com, and it's S-E-L-F dash M-A-D-E, and then it's the letter U.com. We have on our website right now, we have a free quiz that you can take that reveals your relationship with food. And when I say relationship, it's really your thoughts about it, you know, and kind of that identity, that persona maybe that you have. So um, it'll reveal one of four personas. You're either the snacker, you are the romantic, the quick fixer, or the overthinker. So it, it boils down to one of those four personas. And then we give you a free five-day challenge that helps you take the steps to overcoming the things that are holding you back or keeping you um, overweight. And it it always you know starts and stops at the mind math. So you'll get a really great um, opportunity to try your hand at solving your own mind math through taking that free that free yeah. quiz that leads to the free five-day challenge. No, I love the quiz aspect. Is uh, is there a one that c- keeps coming up for most people? <laughs> Guess which one? Okay, so say it one more time. So it's the uh, the snacker, the romantic, the quick fixer, or the overthinker. Quick fixer. The overthinker. The overthinker. Okay. Yep. I, it's crazy because I'm constantly looking at the analytics of it. And I mean, we we're probably up to maybe a hundred people a day taking this quiz. Oh, that's great. And we are far and away seeing people come up as the overthinker, which is great. I mean, that is such great news for us at self-made you, because those are the people that are so stuck in their belief system. Mm-hmm. And that's what we teach is how to unwind those old beliefs. And so Interestingly enough, every one of those four personas leads back to the four basics that we teach. And so the overthinker leads back to solving the mind math, the S in self. So it's a beautiful thing that that's what most people need help in. Wow. Okay. This is lots of good stuff, Tracy. Um, Yeah. Well, I'll definitely put links, obviously, in the show notes for people to check you out at Self Made You. And is there any, any, Last thoughts you wanted to leave um, individuals, your typical client, and I was just going to say this, your typical client is middle-aged women. So I work with a lot of middle-aged men. So we got all the bases covered. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and I don't say that to scare the men off. Um, but I will say that we, because I have a strong touch point on metabolic health 
And that has a lot to do with your hormones. We do tend to attract a lot of middle-aged women pre and post menopausal. And that's a real thing. And then, you know, your clients, the men of the, you know, the men who love those women, I think, you know, it's, it is all encompassing. It's so comprehensive. Like, I think if we can just really understand, um, and make sense of what's happening, not only mentally, like Mm -hmm. through the mind math, but emotionally, physically, and metabolically, that's when we really can start unlocking the, the door to like unlimited potential. And I think our world would be so much better off if we would really focus on all four of those areas. And so I want to applaud you too, for having, you know, your finger on the pulse of helping your clients do the same thing. Because if you don't have metabolic health, you have nothing like you have, you certainly have no longevity. And I think that, you know, the influences, influences, influencers who are out there, um, spotlighting metabolic health need to be applauded. So I just want to thank you for doing the good work as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I, I thank you for coming on the show and, um, we'll look out for all the work that you do and I'll definitely put links in the show notes. So thanks so much for joining us here. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the get lean, eat clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine. And I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.